0: Hello, I'm Adrian Monk here at the World Economic Forum in Geneva, and this is On Our Radar. This week, we're going to be thinking about population decline. What happens when there aren't enough people? And actually, we're not going to think about people to start with. For those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans, you probably know that elves are the saddest creatures in J.R.R. Tolkien's fantasy world. They always seem to be dwindling. They're in permanent decline. There are no new elves, no little elvish playgrounds, and dwindling is not good. Although they're immortal, Tolkien says elves can be killed in battle, they can die of boredom or fatigue or or just sadness, and they're not very prolific on the family front. Human beings aren't immortal. We actually die of all sorts of things, and the very oldest of us have yet to make it into the 120s. So what happens if the world's population goes elvish and stops growing, and starts shrinking. For starters, the United Nations isn't sure it will. It keeps tabs on global population, and broadly speaking, it expects many more of us by the end of the century. But there is a but. It says fertility levels consistently half a child below the medium variant would lead to a population of 8.7 billion by mid-century and 7.3 billion by 2100. So in other words, if there's a little bit of a... Flip in the numbers, there could be fewer of us at the end of the century than there are today. And even if you think about the world as a whole and you go down to country level, it's not good news for some countries. Japan has been worrying for a while now about whether its population may become extinct. Ten years ago, its National Institute for Population and Social Security predicted that by the end of the century, its population would decline to around 50 million, falling to 10 million by the end. Of the 22nd century. The bad news for Japan is if you carry these numbers forward by the year 3000 there'll be just 62 Japanese people to welcome in the fourth millennium. It's not just Japan. Eastern Europe's population is shrinking like no other population in modern history. Eastern Europeans are voting with their feet and leaving the region. The UN reckons there are about 290 million people in Eastern Europe last year. That's nearly 20 million less than there were in the early 1990s. That's like the population of Holland disappearing from the region. That's around 6% give or take. Now, what does that mean for economies when people leave? Isn't there more to go around? That's one argument. Actually, what it means is you're losing one of the big inputs into productivity, which is labour. So we have seen what happens when population declines before. Ireland was a unique example of a nation with a declining population from the 1840s right through to the 1950s. The effects were to discourage risk-taking, a lack of optimism about prospects for its people, and according to a report at the time, excess space, freedom of movement, flexibility in land use induces in the minds of many people an attitude of helplessness and hopelessness. So when it came to Ireland, this population decline induced feeling of pessimism. The island was a society in decay. It discouraged the kind of entrepreneurialism and risk-taking that might have countered that population decline. So are economists always of the belief that declining population is a bad thing? Back in the late 1930s, John Maynard Keynes was not as pessimistic about the economic prospects for a declining or stationary population as many People are today. With a stationary population, he said, we'll be absolutely dependent for the maintenance of prosperity and peace on policies of increasing consumption through a more equal distribution of incomes and forcing down the rate of interest so as to make profitable a substantial change in the length of the period of production. What Keynes is saying is basically we need more redistributive policies if we have a declining population. At the moment, we see people talking about the idea of a universal basic income and spreading the benefits of globalisation and market capitalism more widely. This is a very smart way of dealing with a declining and stationary population, says Keynes. It's not just Keynes. At the University of Oxford, some of the demographers and economists are looking at the problem of population decline. They say defining optimum population for modern societies is difficult, if not impossible. But smaller population size has social, economic and environmental advantages and it may be forced on us as a requirement for our survival if the ultimate feedbacks from our growth arising from climate change come to pass. There might in fact be something to said for population decline after all. In Japan, women are being empowered as the country looks to make up its demographic deficit. Decades of discrimination are being reversed as it tries to integrate women into its economy. And when we look at the current remedies for population decline, the most frequently proposed matches up the demographic needs with people searching for a better standard of living, international migration. European countries, for example, can supplement their declining populations with new arrivals. Economically, this makes a lot of sense. The OECD, the IMF, many, many economists will tell you that actually migration is a net economic benefit. They grow the economic pie, they add to the stock of human capital, overall, they're net contributors. There's only one problem. People are more like elves than economists. Increasingly, in election results, we're seeing evidence that some people, particularly those living outside cities, would prefer to dwindle with those they see as their own kind than welcome in strangers. This kind of economic irrationality bothers economists and policymakers. And in a world of fast growth, the benefits of increasing wealth have been seen to offset the cultural price of a diluted identity. More cars, more clothes, more stuff has taken some of the pressure off people feeling that their identity is losing out. But as global growth slows down, that balance seems to be shifting. Many politicians will be wishing they'd read this study by a couple of Dutch academics from 2011 it tells us a lot about the lessons the public is drawing from what's going on. I'm going to quote it because it's actually really worth listening to and it's from a very dusty study. Many European regions and their governments are facing difficult policy dilemmas in dealing with the size and structure of their population. In the post-World War II era, governments could abstain from any form of policy intervention as populations seemed to grow steadily. Now, As the natural increase of regions falters, local governments fall back on strategies aimed at stimulating local growth, even if doing so harms the growth of neighbouring regions. However, and this is the big but, these policies are not in line with the preferences of citizens. There's only weak support for policy initiatives aimed at increasing the population at local and national levels, this is particularly true for policies intended to encourage international migration. Our study suggests that people are well aware of the potential economic disadvantages of population decline, but they can also see the potential non-material benefits of population reductions. In other words, in a low-growth world, people would rather dwindle with people they see as their own than accept help from others. It's probably a depressing and perhaps an odd conclusion, but it's a conclusion we're seeing acted out in elections around the developed world. Before you board the last boat for the Grey Havens, it's worth noting, this is the story so far. The future is for all of us to decide. If you're interested in following up any of the things we talked about here, there's some reading on our website and in this blog post, and even more reading in some of the literature reviews that we're sharing. This has been On Our Radar. Hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Adrian Monk. See you soon.